Amen, amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Let's pray as we turn to God's word together. Father God, we just thank you. We come before you and we bow and we say thank you. We say thank you for this season of celebration, for this season of life and hope. We say thank you for the promise of Jesus and that you fulfilled that promise. God, from the Garden of Eden, you you promised this Savior that would come. This person that would come and forgive our sins and bring us back to what you created. The life and hope and peace and joy that you wanted for us. And in Jesus, you accomplished that. And so we say thank you. And we want to declare it from the mountaintops. We want to tell everyone and anyone that Jesus is here, he is alive, and he loves you. So Father God, as we dig into your word this morning, we explore a little bit more what that means, what that looks like. We pray that you would speak. Pray that you would help us to see. That we would understand a little more deeply, that we can follow a little more closely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, everyone, and again, welcome, uh, welcome to our service. Thank you for joining us, and as we begin, let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read a passage here as we uh, begin into what it is that Jesus means for us, what he did for us, and so we're going to look at that together. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. This is absolutely one of my very favorite passages in the whole Bible. It is, it's everything. It's everything, and I would encourage you to memorize this. I memorized this passage a long time ago. I'm going to read it now so that I don't wind up looking foolish as I fumble my way through it under pressure. But I would encourage you to memorize this passage because in this passage is just everything that Jesus is and means. And I have reflected on this and remembered this passage and gone back to it so many times as I've found encouragement in the word from this. But Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. And it says this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Amen. Jesus is God, and Jesus is here. Today we are celebrating the most incredible and impossible thing that ever happened. God came here. He came to a world that had rejected him, to creation that had wounded him, to his people, his Children that walked away from him, that chose selfishness, that chose lies, that chose death. And we remember and celebrate that 
God did not allow that to be the end. God came here to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us, to hold us, to be with us. Christmas is a season of hope. Remembering what God has done, that we can look with hope to what he will do. He is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of power and majesty, holiness and peace. And he is here. This year, we've been walking through our theme, walking intimately with God, our our mission statement as a church, walking intimately with God and inviting others to journey with us. And we've been exploring what it means to follow him closely, to understand the, the life and the mission that he is offering to us, what it means for the gospel to be truly reflected in our lives every day. For the hope and life of Jesus to transform us and speak through us. How God wants to use us to share his his hope and his love with the world. And in this Advent season then we've kind of turned it around. We're looking at the remarkable truth that not only is God inviting us to walk intimately with him. But he also wants to walk intimately with us. He wants to be close to us too. To you. Because he loves you. And he likes you. We're created in his image to be with him. And there's nothing he desires more than for you to be close to him. And in Jesus he made that real. Over Advent, we looked at these very familiar stories and the people that were there in and around the birth of Jesus to see how God had been present with them, to understand how God desires to be present with us. We can see ourselves in these stories and understand how he wants to be with us too. We looked at the story of Mary, this brave and faithful young girl and how God walked with her, and he brought care and peace. He was bringing people into her life and into her story to remind her of his presence and his power, of his care and concern for her, that he would take care of her as he asked her to carry this incredible blessing and burden. We looked at the story of Joseph. Hesitant and overwhelmed, but obedient. And how God spoke to him and gave confidence and wisdom. God directed him and instructed him to protect this child and showed us how God will care for us and provide for us too if we will be obedient. 
We looked at the stories of Simeon and Anna, these faithful and dedicated followers who reflected the longing and desire of God's people for the promised Messiah, prophesied so many thousands of years before and how God keeps his promises. He had promised his people that he would send a savior and he promised Simeon that he would not die before he saw the one who was coming to save us all and God proved that he is always faithful. We looked at the story of the shepherds. And while the world looked right past them, God looked right at them. He showed us his heart for the lost and the least, the outcast and the unnoticed. God sees each and every person. Every human being is created by him and for him. And his love and desire for them is beyond our understanding. In their story, God tells us that he sees you too. And he loves you. And he is inviting you to the manger with them. God is faithful. And in Jesus, he's shown us what he is like. In his desire to be with us, he wanted us to understand who he is and what he is all about. Jesus came to show us his father. He came to show us his love. He came to help us see. And every action, every miracle, every parable, every sermon, every word, that Jesus spoke. Every conversation that Jesus had reveals to us a little bit more of who God is and what he is like. Now lots of times Jesus spoke in riddles and mystery and metaphor. And oftentimes he quoted the Talmud and scripture and the law and he debated leaders and pardoned sinners and he got angry. And he showed mercy. And he said things that, that drew people in. And he said things that pushed people away. All trying to describe his father to us. But sometimes. Sometimes Jesus didn't speak in riddles and mysteries. Sometimes he told us exactly who he was and what he was trying to do. Sometimes Jesus wanted his hearers to have no doubt. And to have to deal with the fact and reality that Jesus is God. In the Gospel of John, he records seven times when Jesus used the statement, I am. Now, I am was the name that God gave to Moses when Moses asked who he should say had sent him to the Israelites. What name should I give them? And God said, Yahweh, I am who I am. It's the most holy word in all of creation. And the Israelites would write it without vowels in it so that you couldn't even read it for fear of saying it or using it improperly. 
It was the most holy and powerful and precious word to them, the name of God. And here, Jesus uses it to describe himself. No wonder they wanted to kill him. Seven times Jesus told the people around him exactly who he was and what he was doing. Seven times Jesus said, I am removing all doubt and any question as to his nature and purpose and mission. Seven times Jesus told us that he is God and that can either fill us with hope or drive us away. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He was calling their minds to the miracle of manna in the desert. And the people listening would have understood exactly what he was doing, that God had saved his people from Egypt and led them out into the desert and then he provided for their need. Jesus is the bread of life, come from heaven to nourish and sustain his people, to feed them and provide for them, to remind them that God was with them and he was taking care of them, that he would rescue them But the people listening began to grumble because he had compared himself to the bread that came from heaven. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, they said? John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, he's calling his people to remember their time in the wilderness and the pillar of fire that God sent to lead them, the light in the darkness that led them to the promised land. God was leading and guiding them to the promised land by his mighty hand, protecting them, showing them the way. But again, they challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. He was the light. But they could not see. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And then he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Moses was a shepherd. King David was a shepherd. And the people knew exactly what he was saying here, comparing himself to the greatest leaders in Israel history. And 
even surpassing them. Telling them that he was the only way to eternal life. That he would provide the way. But again, they did not believe. He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Not long after this, Jesus' close friend Lazarus became ill and died while Jesus was away. His friends challenged him that he should have come right away. That Lazarus wouldn't have died if he would have listened to them and come when they had first called him. And in John 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? What a question. But they said yes. And Jesus raised Lazarus to life again. Showing us that in Jesus rests the power to conquer even death. Power of new and everlasting life. And the leaders fell further and further away. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is a man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Jesus came to transform everything. And what he did didn't fit into what the religious leaders wanted him to do. What they wanted the Messiah to do. They wanted earthly power, earthly control. But Jesus is far beyond all of our small and selfish worldly things. And he is inviting us into new Life, a different life, a transformed life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the amazing thing about that statement is that it's not that he knows what life is or he knows the way or he knows about these things. He, in who he is and what he is, is the way. The way is not an idea or a philosophy, it's a person. Truth is not an idea or a philosophy, it's a person. Life is not an idea or philosophy, it's a person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And then he tells us how that happens. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit on its own. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Life can only be found in Jesus. And the tighter we hold on to him, or really, the more we trust him to hold on to us, we will find life and hope and joy and God himself. Jesus said these things. And then he took his followers out to a garden. And he prayed. And they slept. And then he was arrested. And they fought. And he was tried. And they lied. And he was tortured. And they hid. And he was crucified. And they ran. And he was laid in a tomb. And they locked their doors. And then... Three days later, in that tomb, behind that stone in the darkness, Jesus stood up. He spoke to Mary, and he went to his disciples and appeared to them in the middle of that locked room, and the kingdom of God crashed into our world, defeating sin and death forever. Jesus is alive. God came here to be with us and he is here. And he's brought us life. And all of this began as he laid in a manger power and glory of God laid completely vulnerable. A baby wrapped in swaddling claws. The hope of the world born in a stable. God is amazing. And his love for you is deeper than you can ever know. He tried to show you Jesus tried to tell you, to describe it to you. And if you'll listen, he'll help you see. This Christmas season, we remember the God who wanted to be with us. Who came to show us what we were meant to be, what we meant to him. Who came to show us life and give us hope. And fill us with love and show us joy as the Prince of Peace. It's all yours. And there's more than enough. Let's go and tell everybody. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning and again we just bow.
we say thank you. We thank you that you are enough. That the hope and life and joy that you bring is so much more than anything we need. We thank you for Jesus. For the truth and life that he spoke. That he is. We thank you that we can understand you a little bit. Through his life and example. Through the things he tried to tell us. Capture our hearts God. Draw us to yourself. Help us to hunger for your word. For Jesus. That we can be shaped and molded more and more each day into his image. That we can reflect him. And show the world the love and hope and joy and peace that he brought. We need you. And we love you. And we thank you that you love us too. In Jesus' name, amen.